So, you're looking to try a new role-playing game not owned by a backstabbing, thieving rogue? Well, lucky for you, there are plenty of great games that have been overshadowed by the multi-million dollar budget Thieves Guild. Join us today as we get Savage with the critically acclaimed Savage Worlds RPG by Pinnacle Entertainment. Hello and welcome, heroes, to Crit Academy, episode 298! Damn! Big number. (laughs) Of the Crit Academy podcast. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Actually, you can bring it with you tonight, in your game tonight. Yeah. That's how we roll. Of course, you're going to go to your game after you're done watching us right right so savage world you guys it's been around for a while it has it's not it's not new but man is it popular um if you visit any drive through rpg or any of that stuff you'll find a bunch of girl uh a bunch of games that use the uh savage world's Jeez. mechanics and honestly i really i really like it it's fast-paced it's action-packed um and the game offers players a wide variety of options and very unique mechanics. And for that matter, too, even the publisher alone offers multiple modules and settings that you can tailor to a world that you want. Yeah, you can see uh, right here, uh, Ian brought in uh, the, his core book and then three others that are designed for a myriad of systems. Yep. One is superhero, fantasy, and uh, what was the other one? Gothic horror. Horror, yep. So the system is very versatile. Yep. Now, it's worth noting that the physical books I have here present are from the previous edition, which is the... Let me see that for a moment. <laughs> okay. You can pull the, up yep, the, the Deluxe Explorers edition. <laughs> but it is, by and large, backwards compatible with the latest edition. And the changes actually are so minimal to even document the differences in the current edition from the past one. In a on single the, page. In a single page. When you can download for free. So, you, I mean, how prosumer is it that they say, oh, you already have books? Well, here's what you need to keep playing. <laughs> See, that's fantastic. Now, uh, obviously, if you normally play D&D, yep. um, there is quite a few differences in this. And I actually love the unique mechanics. First of all, the stats obviously are different but they're not solid numbers like you normally get no do you want to elaborate on that ian now instead of having a static number which goes to modifiers like we are familiar with in D, &D, Mm -hmm. what they do here instead is you assign dice to each one like strength for example instead of being like a let's say a 12 it's like a d4 d6 d8 to up to a d12 and and it works that way for skills that's really cool i know and (laughs) It works that way for skills as well. Yeah, and what's cool about it, so, you know, we know 10, the static number 10 in D&D is Not commoner. <laughs> in this one, I think it's, is it D4 or D6? I think it might be D6. Yeah, I think D6 is scared. It's is like average. Generic, right? Yeah. Um, and so what's interesting about this is you don't roll for, for the numbers or stats. No. You pick hindrances. 
So this is a really new mechanic, and I want to hear Brandon's thoughts on this. So uh, hindrances are flaws and drawbacks and and other kind of dark secrets drawn drawn from your character's backstory, right? And you can take up to four points of hindrances. Majors, major hindrances, I think, are two two points. Yep. And minor are one point. So you can do any combination up to four, right? Which you can use to boost stats or buy edges, which is basically their version feats. of feats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's it's actually very very cool. So the building of your backstory helps generate resources for you to yep. use to build your character. And for all intents and purposes, it's worth noting that there is no classes, there's no levels. Now, you still have your generic races, you still have traits, and you mm-hmm. still have, like, a kids you can assemble together. Right. That you can use to tailor for the kind of character you want and for the game you want. But that doesn't mean there aren't some milestones, if you will, to measure by. Yes. Um, now, Brandon, how does this sound to you as a person that has no, no. Ex- experience with this? I have zero experience with Savage Worlds. I didn't even have a chance to actually read up on the book or anything, but... What I've heard from so far really makes me want to play it. And this hindrance thing... Let me get this straight. Okay. So major hindrances are worth two points. Yep. Yes. Minor is worth one. Yep. So you can either have two minor, one major, two major, or four minor. Yes. Yes. At, char- at character creation. Character creation. You, I think you can get more, right? It, it depends. And is they that... even say here and there, or you can buy off the... Your GM? Hin- yeah. Or you can buy off the hindrances, too. <laughs> as long as the GM allows it. As long as it makes sense. Like... Sometimes, if you like, like the hindrance blind, for example, sometimes it makes sense to buy it off. Some you're blind. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that's gonna be a bit of a problem. Yeah. No, you have but four maybe. minor problems with what your character is. Yeah, but they're not that. Yeah, not so bad, but there's four of them. So, do you want to uh, bu- give us some examples, maybe, Ian? Absolutely. Some minor hindrance, for example, is all thumbs, which basically means you have negatives to repair or cause malfunctions. <laughs> you have no finger. <laughs> That's yep. so funny. Okay, major bad luck. Ma- ma- another ma- major one, bloodthirsty. So even the titles, there's obviously descriptions that go with each of these to yep. flesh out your character. And I am reading the summary page, which I do need to say is a summary page. Yeah, it's like a minor very, major. Uh, Once again, minor hindrances, major hindrances. Like a yeah, minor I mean, hindrance one, might be. Yeah, it says minor major. Oh, oh, minor major. There are some hindrances you can choose either minor or major, depending on how big of a penalty you want for it. Ah, like, so there's bonuses there. Like one, for example, is greedy. Let me flip over to greedy and see what that one says. So we're going to give a couple examples of hindrances, and I think this is really cool because this is a different take on like backgrounds. Yep. Because you're essentially building out, okay, I want my character to be a gambler and greedy. Yep. So taking one of those hindrances fits that theme, right? And it gives you the resources you need and using greedy as an example your miserly hero measures his worth and treasure if a minor hindrance he argues bitterly over any loot required during play if a major hindrance he fights over anything he considers unfair and may even kill for his quote fair share <laughs> that's player characters oh so so that's kind of the core of the starting of the character creation you still have races yeah and each race comes with its own benefits yep. and drawbacks and which they, i think is awesome and they do give detailed rules for creating custom races too yep and it's very fleshed out so it's easy for a gm and the players themselves to offer up ideas yep. the thing that i like is in fifth in D most of the classes don't have any sort of flaw right mm-hmm. or the races don't have or classes that don't have a flaw right not anymore the the, the drow <laughs> the drow did right the drow had a big one. The drow one. and tieflings. 
I don't know what one's tiefling got. Uh, they were they look racist. Just, well, no yeah, that's, that's more of a flavor because they thing. look like a demon, right? But that's yep. yeah, that's not like a mechanic in the book. Yeah, in the stat block like, of the drow, there was a mechanic. was that sunlight sensitivity? Yes, yes, and that's a huge drawback. Oh. And and there were more drawbacks in past editions too, but that's another topic yeah. unto itself. And if you're if you're watching or listening to this, um, <laughs> uh, please uh, ask us questions if you want us to try to answer d- specific details about it. We'll and do, we'll do we our can. best. <laughs> um, once again, we're we're still learning this to the best we can. Do you guys plan on talking about the Savage Worlds Adventure Deck? Uh, actually, that we were going to get in. I, I don't know if that's what I'm thinking of, but the initiative. No, uh, in not, combat action cards? No, that's not what, no, not what he's talking about. Okay, then I have no idea what he's talking about. But I do want to talk about the initiative and the way combat's handled yeah. when mm-hmm. we get to that point. Um, I did want to give at least one example of some uh, a race's ability. So they have the Saurians, which look like uh, a dragonborn, I guess. Or lizard folk. So, yeah, okay, I can see that. Um, so you get an environmental weakness. Though not truly cold-blooded, Saurians are poor suited for frigid conditions. They suffer a basically a penalty to resist cold uh, environmental effects and suffer plus four damage from cold-based attacks. That's that's huge. Yep. So that's going to impact how your character plays, right? You're going to constantly be on, well, it's kind of cold up there. Can we... Uh, Wait until, like, next summer and go where it's a little warmer. So uh, I really like that. And I also like that it comes in minor versions, like the fact that it's an outsider. So most races distrust Saurians for some reason. So there's more there, but that's basically the thing, which means that you have to subtract from any persuasion rolls that involve other people. Yep. Which I think is a really great piece of flavor because now their physical appearance is affecting their... Um, interactions, yep. which I like to see. What do you got, Brandon? Uh, the adventure deck awaits. Savage World Adventure Deck has 54 high-quality cards, blah, blah, blah. Adventure deck, or adventure cards let you find romance, make enemies, eliminate or increase your damage, spot clues, and even betray your friends. Oh, I like that. It sounds like a deck of many things that affects your stance. That's cool. Yep. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't think it would, maybe I just didn't get to it, or maybe I scrolled past it in my book, but, um... So, uh, obviously, the big thing we want to get into is how we talked a little bit about uh, uh, character stats and uh, edges and uh, are there feats in this. Um, yeah. And they're, they're pretty cool. They're very – there's a lot of them. Um, you heard uh, Ian mention that there's no classes. That's because there's so many options yep. that even if you pick a lot of the same one as the guy next to you, you're cool. still going to have a significantly different character. Now, it is worth noting that they do give like uh, examples of how you can build the class you want, but yes. that's an option. <laughs> yeah. And, and I am the only one who's played this game at, at all. I played three different games, but wait, way to throw been... us under the bus. Thank you. Appreciate it. And the train, too. <laughs> yeah, you, you threw under the bus and then woo, woo, train rode me us yeah. over. Thank you. But my point, though, is they were all completely different games each time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and that's and that's what I think is really interesting about this this system. Um, the fact that it's it it avoids the bogging down of complex mechanics, but has some kind of complex. Um, uh, I don't want to say crunch, where you have to calculate all the 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 benefits and the traits and the 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 flaws and hindrances that you have in a, in a in a given moment. I would say that there is a lot of modifiers that can be at play here and there, depending on what kind of game the GM wants to run. Yeah. But you, they're only there if you want them to be, I kind of feel like to, to a point. Yeah. Um, so, uh, kind of moving, uh, beyond that, uh, what's really cool is the combat. 
I yep. think the combat is handled in a very interesting way, and it has inspired my own ideas for what I think, you know, combat should be in a game. So uh, everyone knows that in most games you have a, a target number or a DC to get the most out of your, you know, weapon attacks or whatever, right? That's yeah. Right. So they have something similar here, but what makes it different is the way damage is handled, right? Yep. The damage, uh, Brandon, you might like this, you don't really have hit points at all. Um, instead, when you get, when a attack delivers, um, there's kind of, is a, kind of a contested role, yep. um, between the attacker and the defender. And if the attacker wins, uh, you get a condition called shaken. Yep. Uh, it's not damage. Your character is just shaken, right? Something that they can shrug off if they don't get hit again. Yeah. Right. Once you're hit with shaken though, you begin to collect wounds. And those wounds become progressively detrimental to your character. Um, I don't know if you can give any specific details on that, uh, Ian, but... Uh, I'm uh, that, right now. Would, that, would you say it's like exhaustion in combat? I would say it's yeah. similar, yes. Quote, unquote. Um, because think about it. Imagine instead of D&D, instead of having hit points, every time you got successfully slammed, you got a level of exhaustion. The way it affects the game mechanically is far more interesting. Yep. And I think that's what Wounds does, and I think that that makes it far more engaging. Because it's no more just a number you're erasing and then rewriting, and, okay, I'm done. It's basically like a compounding conditions every time you get struck, which is fantastic. Did you find the page? Uh a couple of them. Okay. Do you have some examples? <laughs> There's a table specifically that that simplifies it. Uh, <laughs> this document is 212 pages, so yeah, uh, <laughs> it's hard to kind of uh, keep where everything's at. But um, I think that the whole overall idea is actually quite yeah. done quite well. But basically, like the three scales of damage effects are shaken, wounds, and incapacitation. I mean, incapacitation. That one's fairly straightforward and obvious. I would say, shaken basically just means you're real distracted, momentarily shocked, and you have to basically roll a spirit roll to basically get rid of it. And when you start taking wounds, of which you can take up to three, you basically take a negative equal to that wound score for what, what your rolls are. And, so. and remember, you're you're making contested rolls, right? Whether it's in right. attacking or uh, um, uh, in, a, in a, a contested kind of environment in yep. battle. Ooh, and the target table. numbers are really low. <laughs> what? Ooh, injury table. <laughs> oh yeah, that's another thing. If you like injury, lingering injuries and stuff, that's a, a a big thing. What I think is really interesting, and I'd like to hear kind of Brandon's thoughts. Um, the target number is really low. I think the like standard is like four, something like that. Yeah. I mean that's that's a low number, but yeah. then the situation stockpiles those sorts of yeah. uh, numbers on top of it. Now we're now it's worth mentioning once again, depending on what style of game you're playing, mind you, that you may have armor or you have like a parry or toughness roll too to soak up the damage. Yep. It works uh, very much like using it as a, a reaction, and you're still trying to yep. uh, roll higher than the attacker. Yep. Which, once again, makes the turn more engaging. Because now you're not just being attacked against by an enemy. Yep. You're both constantly rolling dice on your on your turn and not your turn. And let's be real here. People, especially players, like rolling dice. They like rolling dice, yeah. yeah. That makes it more convenient, more fun. Yep. Yeah, well, yeah, and more fun when it's not your turn. Yeah. Because if you're being attacked, you can take a, a sort of, I would say, like a reaction, right? Yeah. So how do you die? Uh, you get too many wounds. That seemed like a 
<laughs> Seemed pretty simple. How else does anybody well, how die many, in a how fantasy many wounds RPG? Is too many wounds? I don't know. Is it six? Okay, let me Three. see here. Incapacitation. Incapacitators aren't necessarily dead. By joining two beam, battle or bruise, do anything useful. They may not perform actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild cards. Okay. Wild when, cards are the names of the, like you, the players. Wild cards are incapacitated if they suffer more than three. If they three. suffer more than three. And when you become incapacitated, you make an immediate vigor roll. A total of one or less. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> get, get. Failure. You roll on the injury table. There's fun stuff there. Success. You roll on the injury t- table, but it goes away after all wounds are healed. And you roll, roll a raise, which basically means what? Three above the target Three number? Three above, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's actually yeah. something you you yeah you you uh you yeah. touch on. Go ahead. Sorry. But yeah, I'm, I'm... But, but if you roll a raise, the injury goes away in 24 hours, or when all wounds are healed. So regardless of how good you roll, you're still gonna get hurt. Yes. Yes. That's really cool. I like that. You don't see that in D and D. No. And like you lost your finger. Oh no! Look at that. It's the next day, it's back. It's worth the. Uh, uh, so I want to talk about how initiative is handled in this game. <laughs> you can lose your munchables permanently. <laughs> your, your what? Your vegetables? <laughs> Unmentionable. Unmentionables. <laughs> I do remember reading. It's that. on the table. <laughs> so initiative is handled in a very unique way. It uses a standard deck of playing cards. Yep. Initiative. Yep. Yeah. So it it's random. You shuffle them and it gets passed out. So there's no initiative score. It's just a randomized. Yep. There's no initiative score. There is ways to get advantages on that, though. Yes, and there so, are su- such as edges, which lets you edges draw more is cards. One. Yep. And pick so you one. could draw more and then pick one if you want. Like uh, he just said, I didn't mean to repeat what you just said, but that was where <laughs> I was going with that. So um, that helps you get kind of control your position. There's also bennies. Oh yes. Now we haven't talked about this, so we talked a little bit about combat. The initiative is really cool. Um, okay. Drawing the the initiative cards randomly means you. It's always. You never know who's going to go first. No. Um, and I think that that's really cool. You can still hold your action and do readied actions and all that stuff. And they give you a plethora of actions that you can take inside yep. of Savage Worlds. And they're very yep. nicely detailed. I mean, you can do a lot of things with bennies, but the biggest thing does allow you, like, re-rolls. Well, and you what is a benny? Basically, it's the Savage Worlds version of an inspiration point. Yeah, and you start the game with three right out the ga- bat. Yep. And the GM can award them to players as you progress. Yes. And one great example of that is, as we mentioned before, you have you you take you can choose the hindrances, and if I decide to, as a player, play up the greedy hindrance, the GM is saying you played your character. Here's a bunny. <laughs> yeah, and as you said, like the inspiration. Okay, so what if uh you draw doubles? You just draw again. Draw doubles what? Uh, if you, with a normal deck of playing cards, someone gets a four, and then someone else gets a four. Goes by suit. It goes by suit? Yeah. <laughs> That's clever. I knew that because I asked that same question when I was first thing I was reading. I was like, okay, what happens if we get the same number? Um, So <laughs> the bennies, which apparently is short, is an American slang for benefits. Yep. Not friends with benefits. That's something different. <laughs> Though if you're friends with benefits with your GM, maybe you get more bennies in more ways than one, I would suppose. No, that'd be a dynamic we should probably not get into. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, we, you, still you touched the, huh? You still owe me inspiration for, uh, shaving dice out of your pubes. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Don't ask. I did not need that man's <laughs> <Don't> back. <laughs> Just that context right there is fantastic. So, oh, uh, fuck. I forget. what about the people who don't know? Oh, no, that really, I, you're Okay. So, okay, cool. uh, yeah. uh, so you mentioned re-rolls oh, on right. bennies. Yeah. You can awesome to recover from shaken. Yep. So that means 
you can save yourself essentially and reduce your chance of dying. You can soak rolls. So when everyone, uh, when a creature, when you roll against a creature and you lose, you can spend a Benny to roll and add to it and absorb some of the damage, if I'm not mistaken. So let's add to it, not re-roll? Yep. Yeah. Which is different than a re-roll. Because it increases your, yeah, it gives you if you roll a two, higher. and now it uh. goes up, right? Instead of re-rolling it, you can draw a new action card. If you don't know what an action card is, uh, it was briefly discussed earlier, right? Yep. Uh, which is the adventure... The adventure cards? No, that's the adventure deck. I don't think that's the same as the action card. The action card is part of the initiative yep. um, deck you that you're pulling yes, from. Charles, I'm fucking blind. <laughs> <laughs> you can re-roll damage with Benny's. Yes, you can. You regain power points for your super power features and stuff like that. And you can influence the story. A Benny can count as a minor plot plot point. Yep. And I think that is awesome. I really think that uh, the team here... And Benny's expire at the end of the session. So use yes. them or lose them. So that means people are encouraged to constantly utilize this resource in their game. Yep. <laughs> so, is there anything else that, that we want to touch on for... Uh, the the game because there's there's there, a lot there's cover. a lot to cover but i think well, that that makes these make more sense now because i'm lo- reading at these uh adventure cards okay yeah. one of them is last stand uh your hero and all allies within five feet uh 10 yards gain plus two parry and toughness until the next joker is dealt nice. like, I wonder what, what it means by joker now i get it because uh, initiative playing card for initiative yeah, yeah. And that also states all oh, you have to have jokers in the deck. Yes, and they, that that's very that's pointed out in the instructions early mm-hmm. on. Um, there are some uh, stuff that I thought was really interesting. So you guys know how in five e I use the engage, short, medium, long range, yep. extreme, uh, uh, um, fuzzy feet, I guess yeah. for ranges. They do the same thing here, mm-hmm. and there's special feats that actually help you overcome some of those. Which I thought was really cool. Yep. Like anything in extreme, you can't attack unless you have the aim, uh, the aim uh, edge. I think. And and they definitely have lots of skills for different types of combat or fighting. Shoots, fighting is just a skill. Yeah. <laughs> that you have to choose to get. <laughs> and not everyone has it, so it's not like five E where everyone can attempt to grapple somebody or whatever yep. like that. You know, you have to have skills. Yep. And there's a lot of prerequisites. Just like the edges, traits or the edges are just yep. like feats, right? You yep. gotta. Have, there's a lot of prereqs. But. And a good example of that was one of the games I played in. We kind of did like a horror movie style scenario where, where we were being, we're basically a small town being preyed on by a demon, and the characters that the D- GM cre- created were all normal townspeople. <laughs> like I was playing like an old priest. Do you think if old priests can fight? Like no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's wrestle, boy. So we basically had to solve a mystery, try to gather a ritual together. You here to wrestle me? <laughs> um, it has called shots. Yep. And I think it does it really, really well. Yeah. And that's not exactly something you can pull off really well, but because it's contested rolls and stuff, it just increases penalties for yourself um, yep. significantly. But you have to stipulate what you're going for, and it applies specific um, debuffs, I guess. Yeah. Like going for a hand is going to be a disarm attempt, not re- just removing the hand, but removing whatever they're holding to. Uh, which I think is really cool. Of course, uh, going for an unarmored area, right in the chink of their arm or under the armpit or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which I think is really good. Um, <laughs> that's a really hard thing to do, and I think this system really uh, gets it pretty well. Uh, we have a oh, we have a question in chat from uh, Ramil. 
I apologize if I'm saying that wrong. I'm a uh, public educated person. So <laughs> how easy do you think it would be to port over my Kickstarter D&D books I've bought? It's worth noting that they actually, especially in this edition, did create a Pathfinder module yes. <laughs> in book form or PDF download. So I would imagine I would fairly easy. easily. Yes. Um, and, now that's limited understanding, but if they can convert it to a crunchy Pathfinder, you're good. Yep. And it's also worth noting, too, that – shoot, you counted earlier when you looked at the monster stat blocks how yes. tiny they are. And that's not in a bad way at all. I mean, it's super great. I mean they basically give – the, the primary stats and the die that goes with them, and you roll from there. Because the numbers are actually on a very low level. Right. They don't, no matter how long you play, the numbers don't get much bigger, yep. which I think is great. All right, let me use one example here. Dire Wolf. Skipping the description. Attributes, agility, D8. Smarts, D4. Spirit, D6. Strength, D8. Vigor, D8. Educated. <laughs> Skills, D8. Skills, Fighting D8, Intimidation D8, Notice D6, Pace 10, Movement, Parry 6, Toughness 6, Special Abilities, Bite, Strength Score, plus a D6, the ability to go for the throat, with a reason this attack roll, it hits the target's most weakly armored location, and yes, armored locations do matter. <laughs> yes, which comes back to the called yep. shots thing. Yep, and Fleet Footed, which means they roll D10s of D6s when they run. <laughs> How do we handle leveling up? There, You don't, it's just like milestones occasionally. Ish. I mean, yes. There's no levels. It's something else. Yeah. And it's more or less, hey, you get some bonuses now. Why don't you go pick some stuff up? I'm. He's going to look for the, the huh. specific section. Yep. But that proves There's that you no don't leveling. need to go level 1 to 20. The He's DM just yet. says, okay, you guys just conquered this big challenge. Here's a uh, is there, There's a template for the things that you can reward them, right? Yeah. Um, and it basically just says when you think you're ready to go up to from street level heroing to, you know, city le or, you know, country level. Yep. Here's some power things you can do. And they do have like ranks, if you will, for characters, depending on how yep. experienced they are. And you can fo focus on increasing those because it goes from novice to like yeah. master or something. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some traits require you to be at a certain rank in order to get farther so you're not necessarily less leveling up but you're getting better at in collecting new traits you're getting so, more experience so no hit points are going in up because you don't have hit points right yep your armor gets a little better which gives you more you know benefits like but it's mild compared to what you're used to in like a rpg like pathfinder or D, &D which I, I think is a good fresh take on it yep I mean, I was going to do shout a couple of examples here. Like, there's some leadership edges that are called out, for example. Like, when you're a novice, you can get the command edge. And you can also gain the edge hold the line if your character's seasoned. Or you can also gain leader of men if you're a veteran. <laughs> yeah, and so those are the milestones you're talking about, yes. right? If you're a novice, you're starting on the street floor like Daredevil, yep. right? And then you become, you know, uh, an expert like Iron Man mm -hmm. on the city level protecting. I don't know how better to describe that, but it proves that you don't yeah. need advanced levels to progress the characters. No, and I've played plenty of RPGs. We don't have established classes or levels, and yes. they work just fine. Yeah. yeah, and it works really good. And huh. and that's what we really wanna we want to push around here is that while Dungeons and Dragons is considered the world's greatest role play, there's some games that just do some things a lot better. And, and I do think like the D twenty system, which D and is based off of, is a good all-around solid system, but I we say it's a good generalized system, not necessarily a good specialized system, per se. Yeah. 
Um, and that's I, not to be a knock against it by any right, means. Right, right, right. Yeah. There's one thing I noticed in um, that um, the the versatility of your abilities. And I'll give you an example. So you have a gun, and it goes pew pew. It shoots a couple bullets, whatever. <laughs> but there's there's details on. What it, how do I handle it if I want to give suppressing fire? My goal isn't to try to hit a bunch of people. It's to try to give cover for my ally so he can get from point A to point B. There's a rule for that, and it's basically just another check. Oh, suppressive fire, page 79. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Um, and to me, that is fantastic because you're not saying the weapon can't do this. It's giving you guides of what you can expect the players to try to do. And how you can utilize that to your advantage and have bend the rules so that they fit that that narrative or that scenario. And they do have a lot of rules in here for various weapons and vehicles, too. Uh, when he says various, he's being very... Uh, generous, I know. Gen- generous. I would... Well, I would even say... Uh, there's a lot. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the standard rule book here comes with like stuff that you would want to play for all your like core kind of... Uh, settings, which is really cool. They even have rules for anti-personnel mines. <laughs> Never mind, there's a massive rocket flying on one of the pages, and then I, right <laughs> after a page, I think of somebody wielding a sword. Like, <laughs> like that doesn't that doesn't jive. But it's so versatile, and I think that's why it's become so popular and critically acclaimed because yeah. the rules are are much lighter, and it allows you to be able to do kind of what you want but still have target numbers that yeah. you could fail. I want this to say lighter as much as more versatile. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, fair enough. It, I would say they're as deep and as calculated as you want them to be. I'll go, That's we, a better way to say yeah. it, I think, because the rules themselves are simple, but it can get complex if you seek it. Yep. If you seek it, it will come. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and there's there's samples and stuff of how to perform tasks and stuff, and yep. there's different conditions and all that stuff you'd expect from any RPG. Um, they do go into quite a bit of different ways to kill your characters, which I think is uh, <laughs> fabulous, whether yes. it's drowning or disease or electricity. I mean, there's a whole pa- couple pages. <laughs> Hunger? Let them die. <laughs> there's a whole couple pages to these different things before you uh, get to, like, mass battles. The mass battle section is really done really well, so if you like that sort of uh, aspect of the game. I actually played in one. It was kind of fun, actually. <laughs> yeah, and it, it once again, it takes it from a kind of miniature game to a more uh, large overbearing – or not, not overbearing, overall scene of what's going on. No, it does – it's worth noting, no, there are rules and – Recognition of miniatures and maps. Yes, though. and they give you the details for that if you yeah. want to use it. Clearly, and this is Justin's opinion reading through this, I have not played it, uh, unfortunately. Uh, and but I do think it, it it's designed very well for theater of the mind type play. And I will also acknowledge that the three games I did play, we did, aside from the fancy, fancy one, we did not, for like one encounter, we didn't really use miniatures. No. So. No. Uh, so... Uh, we keep doing all this praising and, and, and interaction and, and yep. talks of it. What are some of the cons, do you think, of uh, Savage Worlds' uh, gaming system? I would say that there – and this is true of a lot of RPGs in general. You, it's very easy – as simple as it is, it's very easy to get lost. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. 
Um, I don't mean it as a knock by any means. I, I think that you're going to have that with any RPG, though, yeah. when and, they're hundreds of pages deep. Right. And I also would say it's worth mentioning that depending on what type of game you're playing, depending on what setting you're playing in, there are right. just some, some rules you just simply won't touch. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they were well thought out and placed in there for when you do need them mm-hmm. is super convenient. So, And I also like the fact, too, that if uh, reading through all these supplements, there are some items here or monsters or whatever that are clearly based on some various like pop culture re- references. Got a good example? Oh, maybe like, uh, for example, some uh, bullets that release UV light when it strikes a creature. Like underworld. a vampire? Uh, underworld. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> referenced Underworld. Nice. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So, what's our overall thought of this? I, I, I'll give you mine first. I think it's really well done. It's clearly time tested. Um, many people have picked it up and utilized it to build their own worlds and their own stories. It's versatile. Yep. So versatile. And I've definitely seen quite a few, lots of uh, settings used. Like I've seen like Solomon Kane adapted to this, for example. I've seen Deadlands, which is basically a Western setting with a little magic mixed in. I've seen Rifts adapted, Pathfinder adapted, and these are all official, mind you. Right. Necessary evil, we, we, we all play supervillains. Necessary evil. Okay, I'm down. Let's do it. Right? Uh, Let's be a supervillain? Are you yep. kidding me? I want to be a Get, mastermind. They even made Robotech. Hmm. <laughs> so. Classic. What do you think, Brandon? It sounds like it'd be easy to learn. Yes. Uh, I don't want to play it. Why? I want to DM it. That would still be playing. You know what? Okay. Player. <laughs> I get you. Smartass. Um, so I would say there was something that I read in this that would be a takeaway to every RPG player. Yep. GM specifically. Not just the Bennies, which I think you can add to your game with no trouble at all. Nope. Yep. There is a section, I think it's a whole <laughs> column dedicated to what happens when your characters miss. And yep. one of them, I'm pretty sure, says bystanders. Yep. <laughs> and that you should never, you should never forget the character surroundings when they yep. miss because it focuses and enhances the situation of the scenario. Yep. And Silas on Facebook says that the system sounds similar to White Wolf games like Hunter, The Reckoning, and Trinity. And my response to that is, I do acknowledge there is some overlap here and there. But once again, it depends on how it's run in the end. Yeah, but that's going to be true of any RPG. To a point, of course, yes. now I've got a new one I've got to look into, so thank you, Silas. Yep. Um, Shoot, so... Charles even said the adventure deck that we mentioned earlier, he uses it in his 5th edition game. Oh, wow, that's awesome. That means it's uh, written in a way that's easily system agnostic, Yeah. which is great. The other thing... Or adapted. <laughs> the other thing that I think you can really do really well is adapt the... I like the initiative system yeah you we talk about you know how initiative is calculated in uh fifth edition Mm -hmm. what if you just gave that number of cards to somebody and they picked and you could play the cards face down yep um so nobody knows the initiative of like the monsters and stuff um and that would be fun and if i recall correctly you can draw more than one cards for initiative and you can Hold on, them and go. I'll play the bad initiative now for this combat. So I have yep. this good one for so later. So you have it for the big good front <laughs> front runner for the good big boss. Now, what are you talking about? The price, ten bucks. That's a steal. Uh, well, uh, okay. Or it was a library book, and that's what his overdue payment is. <laughs> the core rulebook for the last edition they released that was ten bucks. And I did kind of go down the rabbit hole trying to look look at the price. The PDF for the for the latest edition, that's ten bucks. And when I did go to Amazon as well as the website, the 
hardcovers were not released yet or back ordered, but you could buy the hardcover plus PDF for 40 bucks. And you mentioned that this was available in the first place on Drive RPG as print on demand. Yep. Do you remember what the price for that was? Oh, it's not. It's just PDF only. Oh, never mind. I was mistaken. Thank you, Alicia. It happens, happens on occasion. We got our uh, fact checker uh, back here. Maybe Ricardo. That sounds like it'd be fun. Yeah. It's okay. Adamantine bestseller, which says yep. that it's great. And Ricardo, I know we are considering uh, playing one shots of various RPGs we're yep. overviewing. We're going to so. be making mm-hmm. some uh, changes to the show, and that's one of the things we want to do. We'll have an episode. I don't want to get too much into it. We'll talk about it, then yep. we'll play it, and then we'll come back and talk about it. And I think that'll be a really good comparing contrast. I mean, I remember playing in a sadly short-lived campaign that was off of the Lost Girl TV show, where I basically t- played a character that could turn into a werewolf. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah. We like it. Yeah. Yeah. So if we had to give this a gray, A is an awesome, E is, or F is in failure. Where would where would you rate it? We're 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 the academy. It occurs to me we've never leaned into actually grading stuff. Just from our now, two of us have not played this, so that'll be based purely on him on basically our discussion and me actually reading it. Yeah. Uh, pre-play. A B. Maybe an A. It sounds fun. Yeah. But I'll come back and say it again when I actually get Someday. a chance to play with it. Yeah. I'll give it a B plus. Like it, it's definitely a RPG that has a lot of potential to it. But that said, a lot of it does come down to the understanding of the system by the players and the GM and how they're implemented. And I do think that is worth talking about. Yeah. And some of it, like it actually notes that the wound system from people that come from HP systems can seem confusing. Yeah. To me, it was made sense. I was like, this is way better. It was relatively straightforward. But mm-hmm. for some people, it is a struggle. Like, I would agree. I'd say a solid B+. That, plus. Uh, that learning curve you got to deal with. Yeah. Like one of my uh, 5e players. Yeah. All he's ever played was uh, Pathfinder. So he tried attacking a five foot step once, like, nah, that's not in fifth edition. It's like, wait, so I can't attack in five foot steps? Like, no. It no, you attack, he's gonna stab you. It takes an action to disengage. Yeah. What the fuck is this? Like, this is D D. <laughs> you, you can kill him and then five foot step. Tell him to be a tell him, yeah, kill him and take a five foot step. And <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter with the actually, blood he's, on your foot. He's doing fantastic. He's a really good player. Yeah. All right. So, you know A little too good. Uh Savage Worlds is a game that is designed to be easy to run and easy to play. The game master's guide is clear and concise, which I like. And the game's simple mechanic, simple but deep mechanics make it easy for new players to jump in and start playing right away. Um, I highly recommend it, especially in the current turmoil is that the ultimate uh, uh, enemies that we got out there from... Uh, uh, <laughs> what did... Tabletop overlords. Tabletop overlords. <laughs> You know, somebody like Hasbroasaur or whatever, you know, yeah. demolishing us. Small Wizards third. of the Coast. Wicked's of the Coast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I think that'll do it for our main topic today. So before we move on to our honor tips and tricks, where we bring you new and reusable material for your RPG games, uh, I want to give a huge uh, uh, shout out that... We have another Kickstarter coming soon with Alex's Bombastic Oddities. It launches February 21st for any tabletop RPG. Please keep an eye out on our so for our social uh, on our social media uh, and our email. Sign up for our email for updates and fat loots. Um, I'm really excited for this. She has done an amazing job of developing not only a deep and great lore for unique gods and and and, and race a new race. 
but also the 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 one the the random tables that she created are mm -hmm. just for all kinds of crazy oddities that you can just spew out to your players when you need something to fill a room and they're great so uh if you haven't checked out alex bomb make sure to follow her on tiktok and twitch and all that jazz and now what you've all been waiting for our unearthed tips and tricks segment where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and dms Our monster today is the putrescent blight. Putrescent? Now, I'm not going to lie. I totally base this around the Malboro. Okay, from Final Fantasy. Yes. And the reason I did that is because uh. this episode was supposed to cover a 5e supplement. Originally, yes. And so I changed it around after the OGL yeah, like nonsense. The, the eyeless giant mouth squid thing that flies around. Yes, and yes. it has the most horrible breath weapon that incapacitates and has led me to die more than once. Yeah. So how do we build this? We're going to start with the stat plot for you with the Trent. Um, we're going to give it the aura of toxicity. So just being near this damn thing is going to demolish you. Trent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? We looked at each other and said, like, the fuck did he just say? He, did I say Trent? Yeah. Yes. Trent, that's a name. That's what you he's call a both. <laughs> Now I need a tree ant named Trent. So uh, we're going to give it a toxic aura that deals, you know, poison damage, uh, forcing a con save to the enemy, to the, the players. We're yeah. going to give it legendary resistance. Um, yeah. If the putrid blight, you know, fails and can choose to succeed, players are going to hate you for that. Yeah. Who cares? Um, This thing isn't nearly as brutally strong as a real trance. Yep. I didn't say Trent that time. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, of course, we're going to give it horrible breath. Now, this is brutal. It, on a failure by five or – it does poison damage, but on a failure of five or more, it blinds, deafens, and the character loot gains a level of exhaustion. <gasps> Talk about nightmare fuel. Um, Not as much as a picture I saw the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want. What do you be looking up on the internet, man? You got to be staring away from the dark web, there, buddy. No, it was posted in a D and D group. What, 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 the, what the group sees? A regular lava door because he failed their spot check. What the paladin saw? I'm like, oh my gosh, that's nightmare fuel. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's worth noting that this effect can only be removed with lesser restoration or a similar spell. I've noticed that your monsters have getting been getting more and more deadly. That's every okay. Episode. <laughs> What? It's not like I've challenged myself to build a monster within the bounds of the CR that can still be at the top of the CR to destroy stuff. Weak. I would never do that. And of course, we're <laughs> going to give it a reaction because I love taking the turns on other people's turns as the DM. So we're going to give it when it's hit with a melee attack, it can use a reaction. It sends out vine-like tendrils to a 10-foot radius, and every creature in that area must succeed on a deck save or uh, be uh, bludgeoned all to hell and restrained and bound by the creature. Each creature is trained by the tendrils, can use an action to, uh, or can try to escape and uh, to free itself. What do you guys think about this? I'm sorry, Ian distracted me. It is awesome. <laughs> because as we, some people believe incorrectly, because they're not doing it right, that D&D is not deadly enough, but this gives them a silver bullet to, against that saying oh really <laughs> yes i like that and the the in 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 exhaustion is can be brutal oh yes um six levels and you're dead and only can recover one a night per one per long rest yes um overall would you guys use this monster absolutely if my players piss me off i will <laughs> they don't have 
which, so, which by the way, they've started watching the watching the show. So oh, thank you guys very much me, for watching the show. You better fucking behave. <laughs> or the Trent is coming. At, Trent is coming after you. Trent the Trent. <laughs> I hate you all. All right, how about uh, we talk about our encounter? I think uh, this is a good one. Charles. So in theory, six rounds and TBK. If only if you don't give them the option to run. Of course, they're blind, dead, and deaf, and tired. So there's not. They're gonna run, but they're not gonna get very far. Yeah. Like as soon as this thing, I mean, it really it will demolish a group if they. It is vulnerable to fire, so you light its ass up. You'll burn through it pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, it's huh? it's brutal. It requires a tactic besides just charging in and saying, "Ah, I rage." Anyways, all right. Brandon, would you like to tell us about our encounter? The uh, lost treasure of Lord Eldridge. The party is hired by a wealthy lord to recover a valuable, valuable treasure that was lost when his ancestral home was overrun by monsters many years ago. Ooh. The lord believes the treasure is still hidden within the ruins of the home, and he offers a generous reward for its recovery. However, as the party delves deeper into the ruins, they discover that the treasure is not o- not the only thing that's been lost in the ancient mansion. The adventure starts with a party arriving at the ruins of Lord Eldridge's, Eldridge's ancestral home, which is located in a dense forest where there's a Marlboro or a, a blight in there for you for the, from the previous uh, discussion. Destroy him. Putrescent blight, I think is what it was. Yes. Uh, they find the ruins overrun by monsters such as giant rats, bats, and spiders, blah, blah, blah. The Lord had told... The Lord had told the party that the treasure was hidden in the family's old library behind a secret door. Ooh, I think it would be better to not tell them that, honestly. I don't know where it's at. You think? (laughs) (laughs) The door is locked and requires a specific combination of three books to open. Ooh, the party (laughs) needs to find them before they can open the door. They also need to find clues to locate the books that are scattered around the runes. Runes, 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 runes. This house is fucking terrifying. (laughs) We found some ancient dwarven runes. Wait, ruins or ruins? Runes. (laughs) Ruined, of course. So, um, (laughs) as they delve into this and they're they're sneaking around, they find all kinds of things besides just the books. Um, not just gold and jewelry. They uh, find a room full of dark magic that is cursed, and the treasure room was the scene of a ritual, a dark ritual performed by uh, Lord Eldridge's ancestors to gain great power and wealth. But yeah. the ritual went wrong, and it cursed the entire family. Oh, like it always is. Did it the cost, treasure did it cost is now a... guarded by powerful demon. What? Did it cost an arm and a leg? <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to bring back their mom. Uh, the demon was summoned during the ritual, and the demon offers the party a deal. It will give them the treasure and release them if they complete a task for him. The task is to retrieve a powerful artifact that is hidden within another place. Oh, no. Of another go-here quest. This artifact can break the curse and free the family's souls from the demon's grasp. Now, the party must decide if they want to take the treasure and run, or to complete the task and break the curse. In either case, they have to face the demon who is determined to keep the treasure and the power that comes with it. And the party has discovered the real treasure is not the golden jewels, but the knowledge of the artifact and the freedom of the family from the curse. 
Not friendship, people. <laughs> Silas says, I see your Trent the tr- Trent the Trent and raise you Kurt the Cobalt. <laughs> That's good. My rebuttal to that is there's Cobalt presses the Swobold. Ooh. So is that Sam the Swobold? My Yes. My players have a Cobalt named Jerry. <laughs> Follows him around. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. I don't know what's going on, Jerry. They, they, Jerry, they Jerry. They from uh, Chains. And he's like, ah, I'll help you along. I'll be your friend. Why do they always do that? What? They end up with little pets. What do we, let's talk about the encounter. What do you guys think about the one? Was anybody paying attention? Uh, yes. No more than it, usual. It's, it's uh, go get this for me. And then when you get there, it's another go get this for me. So, yeah. But what's interesting is um, now that they're there, they ran into a challenge that they didn't expect. Yep. Locked them in and forced them into a deal to escape, yep. or they try to fight it. I think the idea of them having a monster that's too strong for them to beat, yep, I think would make it good. Here's what I'm confused about: the demon says, "If you go do this for me, I will let you go." Right? Yes. And free the souls that it bound to it. It sounds like I think we so I missed some. Let's, let's just stop them from just leaving. Marvin the mind player. Well, I imagine some sort of magic. <laughs> Marvin the mind player. <laughs> I love this. This is an awesome game. We need to go through the monster manual and just give every <laughs> give monster names. name Basic that names. are like based on the first letter. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Marjorie the, the monster. Mimic. Mar- yeah. Marjorie the Mimic. <laughs> Nothing about but, but, oh, about one game where we had a dragon. What we ask? What's the dragon's name? Me? Is it Steve? <laughs> basilisk. The basilisk. Barry. Barry the Beholder. <laughs> No, his name is not Steve. It's this name in Draconic, which you can't pronounce. Is it Draconic for Steve? <laughs> All right, this is a pretty simple encounter. A little bit of depth. Hopefully it gives you a nice outline. Um, TikTok challenge for you guys. I'm down for it. Hey. I haven't made a TikTok in forever because it suppressed me. And I, I, was did, done with I did shit. the whole Smasher Pass thing on my TikTok and it's still up. <laughs> um, uh, All right. Uh, one thing I would uh, uh, do is I would add a curse to the players yep. and bind it to them so that they're connected once they're freed. Or what is the what is the the monk ability that says that he, they could just snap you dead? I'd give them that as yeah, a curse. Palm. Or that, that feels by entering the chamber where the demon is, they're the players are also cursed, giving them motivation to actually do it. <laughs> yep. Exactly what I'm thinking. They can leave, and every time they take a long rest, they reappear. They wake up in the basement, and the demon's like, hey, how you doing? You know what I would like to do? I'd love to do a D&D encounter, a lot like uh, the first Saw movie. Just lock, get the players locked in a dungeon, and then they have to make some terrible sacrifice of their own. I did Chopping that. off their own leg or something that, and to get free. And the players didn't give a shit. <laughs> like, oh, I'll just chop off my leg. All right, well, your nickname's Stump for now on. They're like, you got a cage with a mom, another cage with children, and you can see this. these spikes are slowly every round. They come down by one foot. And all you have to do is you look over, and you can see a man, and he's holding two chains. You got to tell him to, to pull one of them. And I think uh, one of the players said, I throw a javelin in his right hand. It's like, what? I'm going to choose for him. Ooh. You're a dick. What if they don't know is a demon until they agreed to help him? Ooh, that's even better, Kathy. Well done. I like that. They don't know it's uh, hidden because they can shapeshift, right? Or some of them? Some can. So, or use an illusion at the very least. All right. That'll do it for our encounter. Let's talk about our magic item. The Lantern of Shared Sight. Wondrous. Uh, uncommon. I like it already. The lantern is made of brass and glass and has a small crystal embedded in its center. The crystal glows a soft white light when the lantern is lit. 
You can use your action to light or put out the lantern, and when it's lit, you choose six creatures up to within 30 feet of you. They gain the ability to see through the eyes, to see your eyes while they remain within 30 feet of you. They can use their own action to end its effect. That's the cool. lantern also grants a limited form of truth seeing to those affected by it. Nice, what? nice touch. Thanks. They can see <laughs> through any illusion, darkness, and other forms of concealment or obscuration that would prevent them from seeing something. And this lantern lasts has six hours of illumination before it runs out of magic. And once it runs out, it becomes a regular lantern. Now the mesh returns after being left in a place with sunlight for about eight hours. This lantern can be useful for the party when they're trying to navigate traps, obstacles, or <laughs> identify hidden enemies. It can also help the group share info and coordinate their actions better. It's a good support item. Yeah. The magic returns <laughs> after being in sunlight for eight hours. It's solar power. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for uh, that. That's funny. Yeah. Shadow Always a fan of Savage Worlds. It's like the losing combat in the ship goes hard. Yeah, we we really enjoyed covering oh, it. God. I mean, I definitely want to cover Savage Worlds more, especially yep. once I play it. I wish I had. Uh, yeah. Gives you sight beyond sight. <laughs> Kathy, I think that's funny. Uh, what if they didn't know it was a demon until they agreed to help them and all that? And uh, what was the other one? Someone else said it. Were you? No, We're, it wasn't that one. It was something else. We already talked about Charles that in past. Binding, Charles with the binding contract. I like no, the binding it, contracts. It, it's it made me think of uh, how I made a face to one of my players' names, and they had no idea what was coming. You a, made a what? A fae <clears throat> that stole one of my players' names. It wasn't some stupid request like, "Hey, can I have your name?" or something like that. It's like, no. The uh, people know the group as Tempest Equitem. These heroes that are traveling the world, and a bunch of kids came and said, "Can I have your autograph? Can I have your autograph?" One of them was a fake, so he stole his name. <laughs> you tricky bastard! <laughs> All right, uh, the magic item. Do you guys like the magic item? Uh, yes. Letting I people do. see through your eyes, giving you a version of uh, true sight, and it's solar powered. God damn! I love this. I would <laughs> potentially knock it up from uncommon to rare, just because it can see through illusions. Yeah, but how often does that come up? I would say it depends on the DM. Let's be real here. Yeah. <laughs> how often do you walk into a river that's not fucking right. there? <laughs> Dead. Oh my god! So I'm writing for Quintessential's uh, oh. um, monster, Quintessential Monsters, and I made a monster to go with that. The Basil Basilic Queen, Basilisk Queen, and uh, I'm using that whole scene as my adventure in. It's glorious. Anyways, uh, that'll do it for our uh, magic item. I don't remember what it is, but whatever. Lantern. <laughs> our Game Master tip. <gasps> yep. The GMT. Yeah. Is that DMT? Yeah. I treasure hunts! <laughs> Let's talk about treasure hunts. Brandon, you want to tell us a little bit about it? Including treasure hunts in a Dungeons and Dragons. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 the game's fine. It's just the publishers we have issue with. <laughs> yep, D and D five D is still great, including treasure hunts and tabletop RPG games. <laughs> nice. Uh, can add a lot of excitement and adventure for the players. Here are a few reasons why a dungeon master or game master. Oh, damn it, yeah, damn it, dude. I've been writing dungeon master for like seven years. Give me a break. Reasons why a game master might choose to include treasure hunts in their game provides a sense of accomplishment. By yeah. completing a treasure hunt, players feel a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction that they have completed a challenging task and found something that, valuable. That's a really good one because it's easy to get distracted by the sense of just enjoying the game for killing NPCs. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, but that's my favorite part. 
But including treasure hunts <laughs> are something that can be fun and done inside of any setting, yep. not just uh, like you know where there's monsters, right? Oh my god! You can call me Justin. Imagine there's that person. Like, I'm going to use a uh, detect magic. Like you, you sent something very powerful, and it's like three rooms away, and they go through hell and back to get through these three rooms, and they finally get this magic item, take it back, and get it looked at, and they're like, this is just magic to be magic. It fools players that go through this dungeon. <laughs> There's a spell that does that. Nice. <laughs> that you can give uh, the aura, I think Nytel's aura or whatever, it allows you to coat an item in an aura of magic without it really giving it any magic power. It just looks magical. Uh, all right, it also encourages <laughs> uh, exploration and problem solving, and treasure hunts require players to explore the game world, gather clues, solve puzzles, and this can be really great, engaging, and enjoyable way to challenge the players um, to explore different aspects of the game that they wouldn't normally. Right? Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that, you guys? Something to be interesting, too, is if everyone's trying to hunt for treasure, that means... NPCs also could be hunt, hunting for treasure as well. Rivals. Yeah, rivals, enemies. I keep picturing some like a tri- blowhard treasure hunter who everybody Lord. underestimates. And picturing them voiced by Matt Barry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the type of douche that would have like an old man leave a will of a treasure hunt. And then at the end, all it is is a little, uh, no, like, uh, hard stupid, as hell. No, no, no. It's hard as hell. They got to go <laughs> to the top of a mountain, to the bottom of the sea, you know, find a flying giant, cloud giants, you know, giant castle, and open it up and says, the greatest treasure is the time spent with friends. No, yeah! oh, bullshit! Where's my sword? <laughs> he go murder his whole family. <laughs> I, I like the uh, uh, rival thing. I never think about giving... The players in the group, like uh, a rival group that's always contesting against them. Not bad guys, just another group is like, hey, what are you bitches doing? <laughs> this is our pub. You really want to take it up a notch? Use old characters of theirs. Uh. You're welcome. Okay. So the bad news is, because I tried to get to the treasure, my hand got stuck in that trap and I had to cut it off to escape. But the good news is, I now have a robot hand. <laughs> and, as an added benefit, <laughs> The hand fires off as a grappling hook. <laughs> uh, Charles actually says have multiple, multiple groups in a party can play, and then they can do an epic PvP versus their own players. That's interesting. Their own characters, I, yeah. I did that. Troop style play. Yeah. I did that with their own players. I want to do that with uh, like a raid boss. I've always wanted to see if there's a way to do a raid boss encounter. Yeah. Like 40-man players against one boss. You obviously can't do that as easily in Dungeons & Dragons, but that's been always a dream of mine. Anyways, that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip, treasure hunting. Yeah. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't be a dick! And you can avoid dickitude... By, tr- by trying different <laughs> tabletop RPGs! <laughs> be a dick by giving a certain publisher the middle finger. <laughs> or two! Anyways, so... Why should people play other tabletop RPGs? Honestly... Not just because of um, the, <laughs> the 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 wicked of the coast, but <laughs> there are people that have put their heart and souls into these games they've designed, and some of them yep. are really really good. So it adds variety. They take changes and make things different. You know, different role-playing games offer different experiences, different settings, allow the players to explore worlds with different characters and in different ways. So playing different games can be a way to break out of the rut and kind of try something new and exciting. Um, game mechanics is another reason, right? Yep. 
the game mechanics. We just talked about Savage Worlds and how different the game mechanics were. And different. sometimes, too, when you learn about different mechanics in one RPG, you find me you might be able to carry over to another game. My boy over here is an expert. Yep. So listen to him. Bennies. Pull the bennies into your game. Inspiration's cool. Bennies are cooler. They're way more versatile. And you're not just capped at one. Yeah. Uh, also, new challenges. New challenges come from new RPGs, right? Yep. Uh, one thing I can think about, is, and I really like, is in like Blades of the Dark. Yep. The challenges in that game are different than what you would get in a, most other games. Uh, you take on a role of an entire team, right? Yep. And, you know, running through this heist is is in, in thievery and all these other things are just different than most other games. Feng Shui yep. does this movie scene, action scene, better than any other Theater of the Mind game that I've played. Actually, I will raise you to Hong Kong Action Theater. <laughs> Is that the one you had the people jumping off the airplanes in mid-flight, or was that Feng Shui? That was me as a mastermind. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> I haven't played the the, Holly, the other one. But Hong Kong Action Theater, short version, your character is an actor, and each session is a new movie, and your actor's playing a new character. Yeah. So even if your character dies, who cares? He'll be cast in the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brandon, what is uh, what are some other benefits to uh, playing a different role-playing game, such as Savage Worlds? Instead of storytelling and creativity. Yeah. Oh yeah. Can you elaborate? There's there's some things that you're limited limited to when it comes to storytelling, especially like in D and D. There's certain so. things that you want to tell stories of that you can't do, or you don't have so the tools. Up, so you end up having to homebrew shit. Like or, maybe you want to do something more along the lines of a World War Two type game. Uh, you're not gonna be able to do that very well D and D, but Fifth Edition because there's not a whole lot of you'd have to change make a bunch like of changes or reflavor a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and we've actually covered some games where you can do that. So it's ultra modern Redux. Anyway. He was trying to make a point, and you just sank his battleship. <laughs> you, you but battleship. to his point, there still was yeah. changes uh, that were needed, right? Uh, and holding my armor. And I also would say too, though, <laughs> that different mechanics might also encourage different types of thinking, which might apply to how you might approach situations, and therefore may, may impact the story in that way to perform. Going of what you were saying, absolutely. So um, overall, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty great and powerful. I think that this is a powerful tool. Ultimately, the main reason to try different role-playing games is it can be fun. Experimenting with oh. new games can be a great way to explore new worlds, meet new people, have a great time, and support small creators like ourselves. So, all right. And, uh... I'll do it for a player tip. Thank you. That'll do it for our player tip today. Don't, Don't be a dick! dick. And you can avoid dickitude by trying out new tabletop RPGs and giving the wicked of the coast of middle finger twice. It's a shitload of them. All right. Uh, if you enjoyed our show today and you'd like to support us, please consider visiting our website, picking up some of our content. If you like superheroes, we worked really, really hard on Capes and Crooks. And actually, it's been doing pretty good, so we have in the pipeline. Which kind of surprised us. Uh, <laughs> actually, we're being honest uh, Yeah, here. right. Uh, <laughs> we're uh, not complaining. We have a, a, a redo of the um, layout to be in hard hardcover. So everyone that was asking over and over again, are you going to make a Capes and Crooks hardcover? Yes. Yes, we are. And it's because you guys supported the RPG. And it raised an, uh, enough uh, capital to be able to make that investment. Which so is kind of hilarious, seeing how it started in the first place. But yeah, hey. it started. It didn't go well. Yeah. I mean, everyone loved it. It's a great game, but our Kickstarter, yep, chugged along with really big competition. It's like like there there are alter ego like Marvel to DC, 
I'm not going to say their names. So I don't want to call them out, but I was hurt. And there's a few. <laughs> and there's a few guidelines, too, that kind of screwed us over. Yeah. So anyways, so you can support us by picking that stuff up, checking out our content. Become a patron. Uh, we put out a lot of amazing content right now. Most of it is still fifth edition. Uh, we plan to continue to make like our monsters and stuff. So become a patron, show you love yeah. us and come talk to me in discord. But that doesn't mean you can't take what we present and you can't adapt it to other systems too. Or yeah, that that's exactly what we've been talking about. You can bring your own Trent to your God fantasy RPG. <laughs> Trent the Trent. Uh, all right. Uh, follow us on social media. Leave us a review. Bob and Anything else, B? Carly the Harpy. Darby the Harpy. Darby. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for our show today. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.